Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wrong Football Podcast. My name's Dan, I'm here with Julia through wrongfootball.com and we're here to talk all things American football again this week. And it's Dan who's going to bring sexy back. <laughs> well, someone had to. Um, well, it's uh, yeah, we're, we're there. We've done it. It's the it's the end of the season, and don't don't cry, not just yet. We're still uh, we're still here for another episode, uh, and uh, we're going to be talking this week about all things Super Bowl. Uh, also, going to have a look at the Hall of Fame and a few other uh, news points. But uh, before we do that, how are you doing, G? Everything okay? Yeah, not too bad. Um, fighting fit through um, you know the usual thing and done and. That was sort of like that horrible thing of going back into work. Um, I don't know what everybody else does, but I have have Super Bowl Mondays is a well known um, holiday um, around my work circles, and so yeah, I'm sort of the realities of life without football is beginning to become a bit stark. Yeah, I've still got the coaching tape to go through. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you're right. Super Bowl Monday is exactly the same for me. Everybody at work knows that I'm not going to be I'm not going to be around. And uh, yeah, it was a good one this week, isn't it? Without further ado, we might as well talk about the game first of all. I suppose there's no uh, there's no getting around it. There's no talking about the news this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is, but later. Let, 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 you know, we'd be burying the lead if we didn't just start with what is probably one of the best Super Bowls that um, I remember watching. Absolutely, yeah, it is. It was absolutely the the, the best Super Bowl I've I've certainly. That I've seen it was the only Super Bowl where I haven't even come close to falling asleep during it so uh, that's a good that's a good sign to start isn't it yeah I mean <laughs> I, I hesitate only on the best because um a we have recency bias and we have just watched this one but also yeah. there's just that there was not exactly a lot of defense being played out there but it was an incredibly tense game between two teams who were in it you know right to the dying seconds and so as a spectacle the football was was enthralling if nothing else that's it well the uh, the game finished 41-33 to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles and and you you mentioned it there but I was thinking during the game actually I bet G's hating this there's no defense at all no no I mean <laughs> are, are you kidding uh, in a game where you have um two um throws to quarterbacks which is more than yeah. we had punts in the entire game you know there was there was plenty to watch and be infused about but yeah it would have nice to have seen a little more defense mm. well it was uh, it, it started i mean it was it it was 41-33 but really throughout the game it it really did get close in the, I, I don't know about you but i was getting towards the end i really did think that the patriots were perhaps going to uh, going to going to going to steal it i thought I'd, I'd kind of i've seen this before i know how this goes yeah i think everybody collectively had a um Bill, you know, Bill Belichick has got his team close, and Tom Brady has the ball with two minutes twenty-one seconds left on the clock. This feels like Brady's going to have like another comeback win because yeah. you know they they put up that stat that sort of eleven um, fourth quarter comeback comeback at career victories, five of them in Super Bowls, and you thought, are we about to witness you know like the half dozen? It sort of looked that way, didn't it? And he, let's be let's be fair. If you're going to have someone coming up up against you, uh, that you, and if you if you're kind of less than a touchdown up, you don't want it to be Tom Brady, do you? No, you really don't. I mean, the man threw for um, 505 yards, three touchdowns, um, had a rating of 115.4. He he played okay. If, you know, there were problems with the Patriots, but let's not pretend that Brady was one of them. There was only there was only one sack and one interception for the whole game, wasn't there? It was it was quite a quite a tidy game, I suppose. Yeah, it was. See, the thing that I'm going to go back and watch because I'm really really curious about this is the um, Philadelphia Eagles um, defensive line going up against the um, Patriots O line because yeah, they were getting pressure, but they weren't really getting near him in terms of you know like knocking him down 
much beyond sort of the first quarter, if memory yeah. serves me. And so the Patriots sort of it felt like they were coping fine, were marching the ball, were having to maybe work a little harder than the Eagles, who the Patriots' defense just seemed to be too slow and unable to do anything to stop them, pretty much for the entire game. Mm, a, li- a little bit, yeah. I mean, we we mentioned Tom Brady. We we've got to mention Nick Foles. Obviously, he's he's stand-in quarterback at the at the moment for the for the uh, the Eagles uh, with Carson Wentz being uh, down with an injury, and he played well. He played an excellent game, didn't he? He was he was MVP in the end. Yeah, I mean, if Brady threw for five hundred yards and no interceptions, Nick Foles threw for three hundred and seventy-three, three touchdowns, caught a touchdown, which you know is yeah, something yeah. incredible, and we'll be talking about that play in a bit. And threw one interception that wasn't really his fault because Alshon Jeffries sort of batted the ball up into the air, and a um, Patriots um, corner was able to uh, sort of grab it. Mm. Well, we might as well talk about it now. You mentioned uh, you mentioned before, just before we started, uh, we started recording that there was more uh, throws to quarterbacks than there were punts in this game. Yes, and um, unfortunately, the, when the Patriots tried it out, uh, Danny Amendola couldn't quite um, couldn't quite make um, get it to Brady. It was a, possibly a little bit high. Brady maybe jumped a little early. Basically, we found a chink in Brady's armor. He's not great at catching balls. I bet he wished um, he uh, he still had that that, uh, that that tape on, but it had it as uh, as double sided. <laughs> yeah, or, or some receiver gloves or something. But on fourth and two, towards the end of the first half. Having already witnessed the Patriots um, uh, uh, throw a pass to their quarterback, mm. the um, Eagles lined up in shotgun, and Nick Foles wanders forward as if he's discussing um, coverages and talks to um, his tackle, and they direct snap the ball to receiver, who drops it off to a um, tight end, who throws the pass to Nick Foles, who is uncovered and catches the ball for a touchdown. It was a lovely, lovely trick play. That's going to be, I imagine, the play that everybody um, sort yeah. of harks back to in future years when they come to talk about the Super Bowl. But I think that's going to be the first highlight up, isn't it? Uh, I would imagine so. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was kind of towards the end of that of the first half, wasn't it? Just as uh, just as the Eagles were, were starting to starting to kind of take a little control of the game. Yeah, and it was it was a hugely brave call by Doug Pedersen because can you oh. imagine the grief that he would have got? For Balls the size of grapefruits. Going, yeah, but not not only going for it on fourth and two, so going down for it on fourth and down, which actually, if you look at the statistics, it's actually a smart move because even if you don't make it, you've got them backed up to the goal line. There's a good chance of a safety. You know, it, it's they should people should go for it on fourth and yeah, short. Yeah near the end zone more often but to do it just before the half and doing it for play which you've seen you know six minutes and if you get that wrong that one's just going to look awful and you're going to get pilloried and but they didn't and that was sort of characteristic of the Eagles and Pedersen's um, approach for the entire game yeah it, it certainly was all the way through the game there was little little moments wasn't there where you, where you kind of looked at it and thought wow he's he's, he's really going for this he, he, he was he really wanted to win and, and, and credit to him he, he managed to get it I think they learnt a bit of a lesson when they lost against the um, Seahawks earlier in the season, and yeah. they tried to be a little more more standard. And I think the problem that the Patriots had and what made the Eagles so successful is the whole thing about the Patriots is they take away what you do best and make you beat them left-handed. The mm. thing about the Eagles is they don't really have like one thing they do best. Everything is left-handed. So you know you've got these RPOs, you've got these trick plays. You, you know there's not. There's, I thought that what the Patriots might do was um, focus on stopping the run and dare them to beat their Nick Foles in the big pressure game to beat them. Nick Foles more than handled the pressure, but also they weren't able to stop the run either. 
No, absolutely. I mean, you, you mentioned RPOs. For uh, for those who, who don't know, do you want to explain what an RPO is? Yeah, it's a read-pass option. Um, and I'm not an expert on this myself. In fact, it's one of the things that I might look into in the off-season to read up more about. Because the idea, as I understand it, is um, it's a play which is called where you, the quarterback basically has the option to hand the ball off or pass it. So it's sort of like play action, but you've always got the option of, of doing both. It's not a determined fake pass play. It is you can do either. Mm. And the offensive line run blocks, and so that's sort of the way you identify it. And it has to be a quick pass because if the quarterback holds it on on for it to too long and you run block down down the um, field, then you're going to get penalties for the lineman being too far downfield before the ball is passed. So it, yeah. it really does have to be quick flows. And this has been the big thing that they've been talking about in in the game and, and it's one of those things I need to look at a little bit more on coaching tech because I'm not sure as many as there has been talk about it but that is an RPO in a nutshell that's it well uh, well well, uh, well done I can't remember the think of the word well defined <laughs> <laughs> um, the game wasn't without controversy was it it was a couple of uh, touchdowns that, that went back and were, were very closely scrutinised yeah now I mean, Chris Collinsworth was going somewhat um, apoplectic about the um, about the catch rule, and we've we've been back and forth for this for years, and it feels like um, I mean, I say it feels like we we need to review it. Um, Roger Goodell, in his sort of state of the NFL address, um, has already come out and said that we need to look at the catch rule. Uh, in this instance, I think they sort of basically got them both right. I, yeah, I, I think agree. there's slightly more. Contro- controversy not necessarily the right word but I think that the the one to the running back number 30 whose name's temporarily gone out of my head but I shall look up in a moment um, that one's sort of Corey Clement when he had it pinned against his shoulder and he sort of like moved it to, to reseat it because he was about to hit the ground but you know did he move it in time yeah. and get his second feet in you could I could sort of understand why that one wasn't given but I think it was fine to give it the one to um, I believe it was Zach Ertz who came diving in yeah it was um I think that was quite clearly, um, he caught the ball, he turned to run, and therefore he was a runner, and therefore he dived over, and I think that was a touchdown all day long. Yeah, I agree. I, agree. I, I think they got them both spot on, to be perfectly honest. I know the Twitter was going a bit crazy as well, not just uh, Chris Collinsworth, but it was, uh, yeah, it was quite interesting to see the, uh, the the different kind of points of view on that one, but I, I, I personally thought they were they were both pretty pretty solid touchdowns i have heard discussions about you know about i don't know if this is an american thing or not because there's, there's lots of discussion in america about how basically everybody hates if you're if you're a particular team you always seem to hate the commentator because they're always biased against you particularly when it's the nationals and not your local color guys who you know are on side yeah. there seems to be an american discussion but I don't think we get over here with football. I don't think we ever sit there going, "Oh, such and such is dead biased against against football teams." Mm, you that do often, a bit. I think there's you one do a bit. or two, but the, but the strength of it. Maybe I just don't pay enough attention to football ref, uh, um, commentary. You know, I mean, apart from um, I've forgotten his name on Five Live, who absolutely hates Manchester United, and that I think basically stems from the whole um, BBC um, fallout with Alex Ferguson. But yeah. I, I thought Chris Cunningsworth was actually trying to make a point about the catch rule rather than trying to take away the catch yeah, away for touchdowns from the Eagles in the moment. I think he'd have called it exactly the same way if it, if those kind of catches had been happened to be caught by Patriots players. I agree. Um, well, it got it got very close with uh, with, with there was a, at the, right at the end the uh, the the Patriots needed a uh, a, a two point converted touchdown to uh, to at least take it level um, with about five seconds left. Big Hail Mary. That really could have gone either way, couldn't it? Yeah, but it was sort of that desperation play. And oh, yeah. I, 
and, and the thing for me is that it wasn't Aaron Rodgers, so I was sort of sure that it wasn't going to come off. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> And, and you know, and Tom Brady is amazing, everything. But that—that's like the one thing that I would definitely say Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is possibly, you know, like definitely better at than Tom Brady. And you know, but Brady is probably in the class of his own as a quarterback. But you know, yeah. if I wanted someone to throw a hail mary pass at the end of the game to get me back in it or win it, I think I might go with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, but Tom Brady would be quite a close second. Yeah, he would be, but you know, just for arm strength and his knack for coming. But I mean, this was a tight game all the way through. Even I think looking at through the sort of like for score running that you get on mm. Pro Football Focus, it never got beyond ten points. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. And, and you know, it, it was, as as we say, we're all sat there watching the Patriots going. This feels it. And if it hadn't been for that strip sack um, on that drive in yeah. two twenty one, it just it, that just completely changed the narrative. And it was like the first time where the Eagles. Uh, defensive line actually got pressure and was able to do what we expected a bit more of them I think throughout the game yeah it was it was a very very good I, I thought it was a very very good Super Bowl was there anyone looking at, at kind of the players we've mentioned obviously Nick Foles was uh, was, was MVP was there anyone in particular that you think um, anyone else that, that kind of shone that we haven't mentioned already I'm just trying to think I mean I think we've covered a lot of, of the major ones. I mean, obviously, Alshon Jeffrey started the game amazingly strongly, caught that yeah. amazing touchdown, and the the Patriots adjusted and sent uh, swap swap the cornerback that was covering um, covering him. I think the important good play was Pedersen. Obviously, Gronk had a great game, particularly in the second half for them. But I think it's really a tale of coaching the players that we've already mentioned. And I suppose at some point we might have to talk about what on earth was going on with Malcolm Butler. Uh... Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a good point because it's it's something that I I personally didn't didn't hear a lot about in the run up to the game, but he 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 didn't really fin- really feature, did he? Well, he didn't play any defensive snaps. He only no. played on on special, special teams, teams units, and and I think it's still a little early. There's been some stuff on NFL Com that he was ill and was sort of like back a day later than the others, and there might have been some discipline stuff, and there was some tactical stuff in there, and. He's obviously very frustrated and has come out and said some things that not exactly too out there, just saying, you know, they gave up on me and, and I can't believe it. And, you know, obviously, having just lost the Super Bowl, a player's going to be emotional. And especially as I'm sure he feels that he could have contributed to a better performance. And given that he played something like 98% of the snaps through the season, you can understand his frustration at not getting on the pitch. Yeah, I just yeah, don't know can. what the big story is. And the other thing is that. Um, He's a smaller cornerback, and and the matchup, you know, Alshon Jeffries is a huge receiver, and he was really the one that was causing the um, the Eagles problems. And so I'm not sure. I'm sure he could have contributed, and he, he's a good tackler. But you know, whether that turned the game, I'm not sure. But it's going to be one of those storylines I think is going to rumble on for a while. I think it will. I think it will. One uh, one player who uh, perhaps didn't get the uh, the time that he would have would have wanted, uh, Brandon Cooks. Uh, was- yeah. He, he was the recipient of a of a of a power bomb, and then as a as a as a wrestling fan, that's my there's my term for the uh, for that tackle. Uh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> and then was absolutely clattered, wasn't he? He, he? There was I can't remember who it was that bumped heads with him, but there was a, a real bad bumping of heads, and he was he was. Then it was Malcolm the Jenkins. It wasn't a dirty hit. He no. he was a runner. He was turned. It was one of those. It was very quick plays, but it was very powerful, and he did catch him in the head. And yeah, he he was out concussed and. Um, yeah, I mean, and that definitely had an effect, I think, in terms of what the Patriots could do in terms of long game, because he'd been, they were saying actually early on in the commentary, that his receiving numbers were comparable to um, Randy Moss's uh, in terms of the long ball connection for Brady. But wow. 
if you look at the Patriots' offense, that was not really the problem. I think where this game was lost for the Patriots is the fact that that defense just couldn't do anything to slow down the Eagles. Yeah. Um, well, before we uh, before we move on, uh, what did you think of the halftime show? Justin Timberlake this year, wasn't it? I was distinct. I was a bit whelmed. It wasn't bad. Don't get me wrong. And he has a lot of familiar tunes. Yeah. Maybe only like two that I'm actually like. I would go out my way and say, yeah, I quite like them. But I mean, the the one moment that got me was Prince, and it wasn't even really the performance. It was just, uh, oh yeah, Prince is dead, and that's a nice moment. And you know, when they lit up um, Minnesota in, in purple, purple, yeah, yeah. But it, it just kind of. It wasn't my favourite, shall we say? Yeah, I wasn't a fan. I, I, I didn't think. I didn't think it was great, personally. Uh, what I did like was the kid who looked like he couldn't care any less having a selfie with him at the uh, at the end. I was a bit confused uh, if he was sort of like overwhelmed or just didn't care because he was definitely trying to take selfies. I, yeah. I, I don't know if it's, this is just an age gap thing, but that's your reaction rather than going, "Oh my word, oh my it's uh, just yeah. Timberlake." You know, yeah. rather than interacting and dancing, it's like I've got to get a picture of this because that's the world we live in now. Mm, it is. Yeah, that's uh, that. Made me that made me chuckle. The thing that's, and now uh, I sound like a horrible old fart, and I'm only well. in my late thirties. It's terrible. It's like the youth of today. <laughs> I'm in my early thirties. Don't don't. It's I'm probably worse. Um, <laughs> the thing that one one thing that did make me uh, make me laugh, and uh, I, I did put it on Twitter during the game, um, was a lovely little comment with two and a half minutes left to play. Chris Collinsworth said, and I quote: "This game has been as good as Justin Timberlake." Shut up, Chris. <laughs> I like Chris Collinsworth a lot. I think he's reached that point now where we've had him for so long that we're beginning to pick holes and everybody's fed up of him. And I, I, I predict that at some point there will be a Tony Romo um, fight back because everybody who's enthusiastic and is trying to sell a game begins to grate after that initial... Um, oh, look, there's somebody enthusiastic and knowledgeable talking about football. But yeah, no, it was maybe not the greatest moment, but he's trying to sell a product and it is what it is. That's it. Well, uh, yeah, that's that's football done for the uh, for, for another for another 230-something days, I believe it is. This is the news. Well, thank you to G for that uh, that wonderful little intro to the, uh, to the, to the news. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's... It may be the end of the of the football, but it doesn't mean that the news is completely finished. And uh, there's a few bits we want to uh, want to just pick up uh, before the the season ends, and we go on our on our jollies for a few months. It's uh, the, the first thing we is something we we kind of have touched on in in recent weeks, but the uh, the actual Pro Football Hall of Fame um, list for 2018 has been released, hasn't it? Yes, it has been, and. Um... We don't need to go in too much detail, but there are a couple of interesting um, bits and pieces I, I noticed when the, the, the names came out. I don't know if you want me to just run through the bits that jumped out at me or if you had any comments. Um, well, it's, uh, I mean, I think obviously Randy Moss got in there first time, which is uh, which is good for, for Randy Moss and my dad as Randy Moss's biggest fan. Uh, Ray Lewis uh, was, uh, for me, an absolute shoo-in. There was no way he couldn't make the first uh, is at the first ballot Brian yeah. Erlacher as well I was quite pleased to see him I saw him play so it was quite good to uh, to, to see him in there um, yeah who who kind of stood out for you well I mean I suppose the big news is that Terrell Owens you know finally gets in um, and the numbers were always on his side and it's yeah. I, I don't know if it was to do with the fact that we can't delay Randy Moss and we can't you know not put T.O. in or you know whether something shifted in that but you know that caught me 
Um, yeah, a pleasant surprise. I think it needed to happen at some point. I must admit, I was a little bit surprised that Erlach had got in at first attempt with Ray Lewis sort of like walking in, and, and you tend not to see too many double positions, and suddenly yeah. you've got two of them. I mean, and Ray Lewis was always just going to be, he, he could just turn up when he wanted. And, and absolutely. Go the, it was like, well, yeah, Ray Lewis was always going to walk in in the first year of eligibility, and I just thought that it maybe meant Brian Erlacher would wait a year, and that was nothing against Erlacher, who had an amazing career himself. Mm. Um, Brian Dawkins was a really, really good safety, and so it's good to see him in. And also, uh, you listen to the discussions, and there's way more um, offensive players than def- defensive players, which I think is to do with the counting stats and how long we've had defensive stats versus offensive stats. Um, Jerry Kramer finally gets in for the Green Bay Packers and I'm sure they will be absolutely thrilled at um, him having been in many, many um, sort of all-decade teams in, in his long career as an offensive lineman and so I'm sure they'll be pleased to get him in and I I think overall it looks like a really good class and sort of as much as anything I'm happy that we're not getting too much into this Terrell Owens can't get in because he was a bad teammate because you know he's got like this wasn't it the second most number of yards behind Jerry Rice you know he has yeah. incredible figures and yeah he had his moments but you know he he was an incredible player and this as much as this is the hall of fame the hall of fame not the hall of very very good it's also its job is to tell the story of football and I, I don't think you're doing that properly if you don't have a player of his capabilities in and if you didn't get in this year not to worry because next year's uh, first first time well, first ballot Hall of Fame uh, entrants are rubbish. So uh, not rubbish. <laughs> They're not rubbish. That was a bad. That was bad terminology. Yeah, Compared this is that thing this... when when I, I'm critis- you know talking about players who don't look great in the NFL. Yeah. It's like yeah, and they still have athletic gifts that I could dream of. But compared to this year's uh, sort of first time ballot class. Yeah, there's have, not much. Tony have you Gonzalez. got a list of names in front of you? Yeah, Tony Gonzalez, Champ Bailey. Uh, who else is the? Um, I'm trying to think who you picked out. Uh, well, I've already, you've already mentioned one of them. Tony uh, Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for me, he is absolutely a shoe in Hall of Fame. Uh, slightly diminished, maybe. Not diminished is the right term, but you know, possibly slightly eclipsed by the efforts of Antonio Gates and uh, um, Rob Gronkowski, Brooke. who I think both... Yeah you know will be going when their careers are over but you know he was he sort of was incredible and almost was like the first of those converted basketball players incredibly productive uh um tight end weapons and so yeah i think he will walk in yeah hello dan here um you're about to hear us talk about uh, josh mcdaniels who we're about to say is uh, is joining the coach uh, the colts as their head coach um yeah that's not happened. Um, he's decided overnight that he is going to stay at the uh, the Patriots. Kind of see why he's done it. Obviously, uh, the way things ended with Brady in the Super Bowl, and could he overtake Bill Belichick at some point? Who knows? But uh, yeah, it's a bit of a strange one for Indianapolis. Don't know what they're going to do going forward. But they'd already announced it and everything, so it's a bit of a uh, bit of a strange situation. Anyway, ignore that part. But uh, yeah, all the rest is true. Thanks. Um, moving on slightly, the, uh, the the Patriots not only uh, lost the, uh, the the Super Bowl, but they've also lost both of their both their offensive and defensive coordinators who are heading heading elsewhere to be uh, head coaches, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, this has pretty much been the worst kept secret in the NFL. It couldn't be announced because of their Byzantine rules about um, play, you know coordinators and coaches you know still still in the um playoff hunt and super bowl hunt not being announced but yes uh, to absolutely no one's surprise we have um mcdaniel's going to the indianapolis Colts, and um to, to almost everybody's surprise patricia is going to apparently head up the detroit pistons really <laughs> <laughs> or if you weren't you know we're taken by surprise by the accidental announcement on the coverage yes he's going to um be the new head coach of the detroit lions 
Yeah, it's. Uh, it, I mean, it speaks volumes for them, doesn't it? The, uh, the well, they 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 didn't didn't quite get that uh, get that Super Bowl. They're going to be they've got a chance to to really show what they can do next year. Yeah, and it's a slightly curious one for me in that um, McDaniel's, I think, has already had a go and has already said that he learned a lot from the mistakes he made in Denver. And so with Andrew Luck, you feel like he should, if he can get a good coaching staff together and be his own person and not try to be too much of, of, of although he's a disciple of Bill Belichick, you know, be his own man mm. and therefore take his own approach. I, I, you know, I think that he could be very successful given time. I'm slightly worried given what just happened on defence and that was his side of the field and given how strong an influence I'm sure Bill Belichick is on on the defence of his team I, I'm just slightly wondering how the Lions are going to shape up under Patricia but you know I would absolutely not bet against him but I, I, I'm just slightly less certain than McDaniels if that makes sense yeah absolutely yeah it does um, one thing that broke well the, the, the problem I'll, I'll level with you listener uh, the problem with recording a, a couple of days before we uh, before we release the podcast because of busy time time frames and and what we're doing outside yeah, as, of as, this. Yes, as actually having lives as opposed yeah. to the professionals who can record podcasts daily or you know have yeah. it hours. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the problem is that uh, news tends to break between between uh, the, those two things happening between the recording and the release of uh, of the podcast. Almost week, every week, in fact. Well, almost every every time. It's almost we, as if people should come for fun and knowledge and analysis, but maybe not breaking news but maybe yeah but maybe like a week late yeah um, <laughs> last week's breaking news that happened uh, just after we literally it was like about an hour after we finished wrapped uh, I actually recording. said to Rach this starts early usually it sort of breaks on Thursday yeah not this <laughs> time just this before time. we actually go this time it actually broke pretty much after we stopped recording yeah that's it it was, it was Alex Smith um, who has uh, decided to move to Washington to play for the Redskins which is going to really irk uh, Kirk Cousins isn't it well, here's the thing. I mean, obviously, Smith didn't have much say in it at all, but the Chiefs well, no, have no. clearly decided that um, Patrick Mahomes is the future after um, the year that he sent, sat on the bench learning and his performance at the end of the season. And so, yeah, they've shipped Alex Smith to the uh, to Washington. And not only did they get a pick back, but they managed to get their young slot corner. So they managed to move on from their quarterback in a planned succession and gain a player at, um, at an area of weakness for the Chiefs. So, you know, the Chiefs are sitting pretty. Mm. The... Washington, I guess, have made the best of a bad situation because, you know, they've got a very good quarterback for a set number of years and, and they can move forward and not worry about um, Kirk Cousins. And I like Alex Smith a lot, but, you know, he's four years older than Cousins and you had a chance to sign to Cousins. I think he was reluctant to sign, but I think that's because of the mess that Washington made and he's about to get a lot, a lot of money because he's going to be a free agent. Um Unless two things happen, either they try the Washington try and franchise him, but I, there's been some talk of this, but I can't see it happening because Cousins is just going to say no and refuse to sign it. And at some point they have a quarterback and they're really going to hold it over him. And so I suspect he will be on the open market, and it will be a case of not quite how much money does he want to take, but how much of a discount he might be prepared to give a team to allow them to be competitive. And yeah. You know, there's lots of talk about. Um, you've heard one suggestion that the Browns should aggressively go after him because not only does it give them the starting quarterback, um, but it frees up their their um, two early picks. They can just go best players available. And the thing that they say about Kirk Cousins, regardless of his performance on the field, is off the field he's a real um, sort of uh, culture setter. So you know, he never says the wrong thing. He works hard. He's always first in, first out. And and in a team that's lacked possibly those kind of leaders. It, 
and I'm a little bit hesitant to say that because you know I feel like Joe Thomas you know is a guy who's been a stand-up guy for the Browns and I think that when they talk about not having those kind of players that's a little unfair but you know he will do that position from quarterback and when was the last time that um, the Browns had anyone of even the caliber of Kirk Cousins yeah, I mean, and there's there's some there's going to be some big names potentially floating around this this year quarterback wise for for me. I mean, you've got people like well, think about Nick Foles. He's just just won a won a Super Bowl, and he's 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 not going to want to stick around at, at uh, in Philadelphia to, to sit. On I a bench, don't know because here's the thing: there's another year, there's at least another year on his contract before he has like get out, and that, so they they have control of him. There's no guarantee that Wentz will be back by the start of the season. He will never have but, to buy a drink or a meal again in Philadelphia. Well, and think about like, it from 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 the Eagles' point of view. They can get some serious picks for him. I yeah, I just wonder whether he might. They might wait until um, until Wentz is back and definitely fit. Because you, know, I'm not wishing this on him, and I'm, I'm you know all signs hopefully with medical science says he comes back stronger. But you know it would not be the first player who's completely changed by a knee injury, and so they might just be a little bit hesitant because Foles is long enough that they might just want to wait until they're sure that Wentz is is sort of injured and back before they look at doing it. And I, as we have I, I, seen yeah. from this season, um, Howie you know has been very very aggressive in trading, and so I think when it comes to time, they would absolutely trade him if they think it's the right thing to do. I think Carson Wentz is going to be okay, and I'll tell you for why. Um, I saw today on Twitter uh, that he had recently, he he just uh, got engaged. He proposed uh, Monday or something like that, or today. Are you Um, going to base this on the fact that he got down on one knee? Now, two things, yeah. One, (laughs) what's he doing down on one knee while he's got 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 a a, a bad knee injury like that? I'm assuming he's cleared that with the doctor in all seriousness. He probably has talked to the guy who's doing physio or whatever. And two... Did Nick Foles win the ring for him? <laughs> he, he hasn't got a Super Bowl ring yet. That will be one he's bought. And, you know, <laughs> as a starting quarterback, even on a rookie salary, he will be earning some money. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. It's a right, so for the last time, we've got to look at the blog. But before we do that, we've got some uh, some questions for you. It's, it's some extra e- points. It's some extra points. There are, there are three extra points for you this time. It's, an e- it's like an extra field goal. <laughs> um, right, so we will start with... We'll start easy and get harder. Okay. <laughs> this bodes well, doesn't it? Indeed. Uh, no pressure. First one then. Who is the oldest coach to have coached in Super Bowl team? Just coach or head coach? Head coach. I don't think Bill Belichick is old enough. Is this one of those ones where you're going to laugh at me when I get it wrong? Uh, you, you depends how wrong you get it. Um, I'm blanking on his name as a coordinator for the Steelers. Um, I. I'm and he's such a good coach. And I can't remember his name. And he was head coach for the Bengals and defensive coordinator for the Steelers forever and the defensive coordinator of the Titans this year. And why can't I remember his name? I'm going to stop you because you're going down the wrong route anyway. Okay, sorry. (laughs) You did mention him though. It's not Bill Belichick. It is Bill Belichick, 65. Ah. 65, Bill Belichick. I thought maybe like someone like Bill Walsh or somebody else would have been older, but fair enough. If, if, you, I mean, I haven't personally fact-checked these, which is probably quite a poor thing of me as, as a producer however I trust my dad I trust your dad <laughs> as well um, second who is the only Super Bowl MVP to have played on a losing team oh pants I'm so going to kick myself about this 
Ah! I know this, but it's on the tip of my tongue and I can't remember it. And these are getting harder, so I'm just stuffed this week. Um, God, actually, put me out of my misery. I actually think you'll get the third one. Uh, so this one, the the uh, only Super Bowl MVP to have played on a losing team is Chuck Howley of the Cowboys in Super Bowl Five. Ah, no, no, I'm not as I'm not as upset myself as I thought I was going to be. Mm. The last one, I'm, I've saved this one till last, not necessarily because it's the hardest, but because it's my dad's favorite uh, favorite piece of trivia. <laughs> he told me this before, so uh, it was quite uh, going out on a high. On going out on the high for him. That's it. So. Who is the only quarterback to be named Super Bowl MVP without throwing a touchdown pass? Oh, oh. Is it Peyton Manning? It's not Peyton Manning. Oh. It's Joe Namath. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great stat, though. He went 17 for 28 through 208 yards and no touchdowns. And crucially, guaranteed the victory. Well, yeah, absolutely, that's it. There's a bit of Super Bowl lore for you. Yeah, there you go. So that's, uh, yeah, there you go. There's your extra point. No points for you this week. Stumped. I'm you, clearly going to be fired. I'll give you three opportunities. And, I uh, know. It's terrible. Not a single one. So I think that means my dad wins for the season. I th- he definitely wins the trivia competition. What I think <laughs> next year is is that he should be producing one for each of us. So, so each you of get it. Yes, I'm so not, I get yeah. a question for you and you get a question for me. I'm not sure the uh, the logistics. Are, oh, yeah, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, well, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, that's he not could a bad just idea. Facebook message me and, you know, when we can see how we do head to head. Not a bad idea, but you will definitely win. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's move on. So, uh, the blog, you have been relatively busy this week, haven't you? Well, I, I went through two sets of coaching tape in in a sort of like a week and a half catching yeah. up after my awkward week, and so yeah, we did Jaguars um, offense just to see what happened, and I sort of went through how I felt like they let the Patriots back in, and then I went for the um, was it the Patriots offense? Yes, yes, just to see. No, sorry, it was the Eagles offense. Oh, sorry, yeah, of course it was. It was the Eagles offense just preparing for basically how Nick Foles looked that good and what he might do against the Patriots. And, and did do against the Patriots. Yes, I mean, basically, it was looking at how well-balanced the team was, um, you know, talked about some of the um, run-play options, and, yeah, leading into a Super Bowl, which I confidently predicted would... I thought that the experience of the Patriots would edge it. I was worried about Foles' performance uh, in the Super Bowl, and he showed no signs of nerves at all. And, yeah, for for a full analysis, see our sort of 15-minute conversation at the start of the pod. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, well, it's uh, obviously we're going into uh, into the off season. We'll both be taking a uh, a few months off uh, off to to rest and relax after a, a difficult season. Um, yeah, what, I mean, I shall have, be. Have you got any plans? I will be doing what I like to do every year and doing a, a coaching piece on the Super Bowl. As I mentioned yeah. earlier, I think I'll be looking at the um, Eagles' um, defensive line against the Patriots' offensive line, which I think, thanks to um, Dante Scarnecki is sort of you know ability as an offensive line coach will be like the most intriguing sort of matchup in this game and then I will be probably taking a little break we're rolling into the off season football never stops so there will be news and bits but I don't exactly see us as a news gathering service when you have ESPN and etc so yeah, exactly. you know, we're rolling into the off season and draft season I tend to decide that I have other things to do and as I don't watch that much college it would be a bit disingenuous to suddenly hit loads of coaching tape and, and start pronouncing on draft so I shall follow on like a fan for a bit keep my hand in probably write a couple of bits and pieces probably something decrying or praising the Bengals off season and 
talking about other things, I think the quarterbacks are going to be a very interesting year. So there'll be lots to news and follow. And then um, I shall start thinking about what I might do differently with a blog um, and how we treat the site going into the next season. Brilliant. Excellent. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, and I'm publishing a book. So, you know. Of course. Of course. And, 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 uh, yeah, we yeah uh, we should we should certainly uh, certainly mention that as a uh, as 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 part of the uh, the, the whole package of the, with the uh, podcast. It's uh, yeah, G is a uh, is a is a noted writer. I don't know about <laughs> noted just yet, but yes, uh, yes. When I'm not writing about American football, I write fiction for both um, children and adults. And my second uh, book, which is a, a a sequel for a children's novel that was published about um, eighteen months ago now, uh, which should be out round Easter, hopefully. What was the uh, the first one called? In case people want to go and check it out, the first book is called A Ghost Called Dog, and the new one will be called A Price, The Price of Magic. There you go. You heard and it I don't think I, I've told anyone this before. Before, I mean, I've talked to one or two people, but I think that's a podcast exclusive for it, out being out in the world. Even I didn't know that. So uh, yeah, you've uh, <laughs> that's it. That is an exclusive. Well, for all of that and more, not necessarily the book. By that, you should buy that separately. But uh, <laughs> keep an eye over the uh, the summer on the wrong or GavinNeal.com, where you find my adventures as a as an actual writer. Perfect. I felt that one way up here. Well, that's all we've got time for this week, and in fact, this year. Thank you very much for listening. If you've uh, liked what you've heard, please do remember to uh, give us a like, a subscribe, and maybe even a review through whatever medium you procure your podcast. We will be away for at least a couple of months, but uh, if you uh, if you do obviously do uh, do all of that, it means that you will be the first to know when we uh, when as and when we uh, we, we come back and uh, and record again. Um, when Dan gets the itch to record me again, <laughs> that might be a while. Um, in, the, <laughs> in the meantime, make sure you check out thewrongfootball.com for uh, more from the mind of G remember if you want to get in touch with us you can either by uh, dropping us an email to twfpodcast at outlook.com or find either G or myself on Twitter at wrongfootball or at twfdan thanks again for listening thank you for a very good season and uh, yeah we'll see you again next year bye bye dance 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 dance